0: People need these wild places to just disconnect. I mean, we live in a very fast-paced world and technology is great, but it doesn't solve all our problems. We need to be able to have somewhere to go to to find ourselves. It can be the most beautiful place in the world, but if no one knows about it, they're not gonna care if it goes up for sale for the highest bidder and is no longer accessible. It's very important that we make people aware of these places and, and give them that connection to those things so that they care about them and they they want to keep them around for future generations.
1: I'm Lindsay Linton-Buck and you're listening to Women in Wyoming, where I talk with inspiring and influential women around the state and learn about their lives, journeys, and how they got to where they are today. This is Chapter 4, Rising. This time, Hilary Walrath, a wildlife biologist who manages the Henry's Fork Waterway for Trout Unlimited, and founder of the Seekskitty Women's Fly Fishing Float, an annual event empowering women to fish in Green River, Wyoming. I learn about Hillary's life on the water, her passion to preserve Wyoming's wild places, and her mission to find conservation solutions that work for the environment and the people who inhabit them. Here's Hilary.
0: When I was four years old, my family moved from Colorado to northern Idaho to a remote ranger station called Powell, and it was located right on the Loxaw River. And the house that we lived in, the river actually flowed right in our backyard. And we lived there for 10 years, so from when I was four till I was 14. So I had that river always to play in, to fish in, to just hang out with my family by. So yeah, it, it really affected how I grew up and and I've always wanted to be by water ever since.
1: What was that main imprint do you think from having that, you know, literally that body of water flowing through your backyard as a kid?
0: Yeah, you know, it was just always the place I could go for solace or, or to fish or just hang out and be on my own and be independent. And that's just my happy place. <laughs>
1: And did you know from when you were a little girl that that was something you wanted to implement in your career? Or tell me a little bit about the evolution of how you got into the field you're in now.
0: Yeah. So I've been very fortunate that I've always kind of known what my passion was and that it was wildlife biology. I've always been attracted to being outside and working with animals and trying to do good things for those wild places and creatures that have given me so much throughout my life. And yeah, even my parents will tell you at a very young age, I always said I wanted to be a marine biologist. So yeah, I've always known that that was going to be my passion in life. And as I got older and I just figured that I would focus more on the places that I knew and wanted to work to protect and conserve. So then I kind of transitioned from marine biology to wildlife biology, and then eventually aquatic, Trout Unlimited is kind of my focus now.
1: So how did you translate that into a career? Did you study up and look at what kind of careers can I have with this passion? Or how did you actually take that passion and put it into motion?
0: You know, I was very fortunate in that my mom worked for the Forest Service, so I had a lot of connections and knew kind of that game of working outside and with a conservation agency. And so I knew that I definitely needed experience. So when we were in Sheridan, I actually got a job working at a, at the time the college had an aquaculture center, and I was a technician there for a little while. And and I knew that. That probably wasn't the route I wanted to go after doing that for a summer. I definitely wanted to be outside more. And so I applied to be a fisheries technician one summer, and that's really when everything kind of clicked. Like, this is the most amazing, perfect job. This is what I want to do.
1: Yeah, and what was it about that experience in particular that you remember feeling that, that click? Just being
0: outside and and being able to work with the, the fish and studying them and figuring out what they needed or didn't need to better their habitat and then trying to figure out solutions to to make it better so it it combined everything and I love just you know being outdoors being in these wild places and working to make it better that whole summer was just eye-opening getting to travel at the time it was in the bighorn mountains so getting to go to you know some of the most beautiful places in the world and working to make them better it was just an awesome summer.
1: What is mm-hmm. it about fish in particular versus <laughs> elk or, you know, other wildlife? They're a great
0: indicator
1: species.
0: If a fish population is healthy and thriving, that usually means the whole system is doing pretty well. Is everything down from the, the invertebrates in the water to the bald eagles that rely on the fish or the river otters or any sort of those megafauna. So I think Just wanting to take care of the fish, you know, the old saying, if you take care of the fish, the fishing will take care of itself. And I think that includes all the other species that rely on it. And the river component, it just really connects with my soul and who I am and, and getting the chance to give back to rivers in these beautiful places that I love is just the best opportunity. So I think really just being able to give back to that whole ecosystem Mm. is what I love the most about it.
1: You have that summer experience, then you finish your degree in, in wildlife biology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so how did you then start embarking on, you know, get out in the real world? and?
0: Yeah, so I knew I was probably going to have to go to grad school. The field of wildlife biology is pretty competitive, and I would need lots of experience. So I took that job in bags for the summer and tracked sage grouse. And then that following summer, I took a job tracking elk in the Wind River Mountains and the Wyoming range and and around Jackson. So just getting as much experience as I could in in the general field of wildlife biology. And fortunately, there was a graduate position that opened up in Laramie that I had heard about and uh, an advisor recommended me for. And so I was offered that position and, and got to go to Laramie for two years to get my graduate degree. And I graduated in 2009 with a master's in rangeland ecology and watershed management. And throughout that time, I kind of honed in that I really would love to work with rivers and, and see what I could do there. And I was very fortunate in that my husband actually also works for Trout Unlimited, and he had gotten that job when I started grad school, so we'd, uh, he was in Green River at the time and they knew this other position was coming up and that I would be graduating soon and it just kind of all fell into perfect place once I graduated they offered me the job and I've been here ever since.
1: Well you mentioned before part of your passion is the water and being on the river and the wildlife but it's also this bigger picture of Mm -hmm. conservation and preservation and so can you just speak to that a little more you know why does that why does that matter to you why is that so important?
0: Yeah you know I think people need these wild places to just disconnect. I mean, we live in a very fast-paced world and technology is great, but it doesn't solve all our problems. We need to be able to have somewhere to go to to find ourselves. And I think that is in these wild places. And I think it is so important to make sure we maintain that connection that people have with those places. It can be the most beautiful place in the world, but if no one knows about it, they're not going to care if it goes up for sale for the highest bidder and is no longer accessible. So I think it's it's very important that we make people aware of these places and, and give them that connection to those things so that they care about them and they, they wanna keep them around for future generations because we're always gonna need it no matter what. I mean, everybody needs to be able to get outside and get away for a little while. And so I think that's the most important part.
1: And one of the ways you're building that those connections, you've been organizing these women's float trips to get women on the river, many of whom have never fly fished before, know how to cast a line. And, you know, where did the inspiration to start that event come from, and wanting to get more ladies in particular, out on the water?
0: Yeah, so I was just noticing that oftentimes, when we would go out to fish, I was the only woman out there. And you know, I, I just saw that, that there was a huge missing piece. Women really are influencers for the next generation. As, and as I mentioned, I, I think that is so crucial for the future of preserving these places that we love. And so I thought here in Green River, we have the amazing Green River that flows through town. And we have a wildlife refuge just north of town, the Seedskitty National Wildlife Refuge that is just An amazing oasis in the desert that a lot of people don't know about and it's also an awesome fishery and I thought the best way to get ladies out there enjoying these places would be to get them on a drift boat it's a little bit easier to cast and to learn on I think and so that's kind of where it all started um, working with the refuge and with our local trout unlimited chapter to create this event And yeah, and so the very first year we got 11 volunteer guides and 21 women out on the water. And it was just, it was just so fun to have the ladies out there doing something that most of them have never done before. And seeing these huge smiles on their faces at the end of the day, most of them catching fish that they've never even caught a fish before. Most of them didn't even know about this amazing refuge we have in our backyard and, and just how excited they were for this great place and and to get out and fish again so it was very encouraging and I've done it every year since and it's just grown and grown in popularity and you know we get mothers and daughters and and sisters coming out and it's just it's really really awesome and exciting and and then you know I, I meet these local families later on and they're taking their kids fishing and and that's really the goal is to get as many people involved in caring about these places as possible and so I think yeah, it's just been super exciting to be a part of that.
1: And I love what you said about how women are influencers, especially for the next generation. Can you expand upon that and what you think that means?
0: Women, they're, they're really the ones that are going to say, you know, I think in most cases, this is what we're going to do for our family trip or this is what we're going to do in our free time. And, and getting them to want to go out to go camping or fishing or hunting or whatever it may be. They're going to be bringing the kids and the family, and and that is just so important to keeping everyone connected to these wild places and, and their preservation.
1: Water, especially in the West, is such a precious commodity, and not only for the wildlife, but for the ranchers, the farmers, for the towns. Tell me about that dynamic that you have to navigate in your work.
0: It's very exciting because I get to work with these landowners that, you know, ranchers in Wyoming are really the best stewards of the land. They care about the land and they want to take care of it, but sometimes they don't always have the resources to do it in a way that works for their operation and also benefits wildlife. So, my job is to work with landowners and agencies to identify uh, any problems that's affecting the fishery. So a lot of times um, in agricultural production, they have these diversions uh, where they go in every year and have to push up. They're called the diversion push-up dams. So they're getting in the water every year with heavy equipment and pushing it up so that they can irrigate their property. And so we work with them to try to find win-win solutions. We're not going to do something unless it benefits both the operation and the resource. So the very first thing I do is I meet with the landowner and identify what's important for their operation, what are their must haves, and then I talk with them about how there's these options where they can get funding from other partners, these wildlife organizations, to help answer their problems but also address the resource problem. So for in the diversion case, fish passage is often a problem. And so working with them to to find funds to come up with those solutions and, and get them in place. So that's primarily my job is to just work with landowners and find these win-win solutions for those resource problems.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine that's pretty rewarding when you can yeah. <laughs> find those solutions in particular. Yeah,
0: it is really cool to see the the dynamic and the relationship change throughout the process. Usually when I first meet with them they're usually very hesitant you know this is how we've done it for so long and luckily some of them have been willing to give me a chance and then once we get a project in place and, it, and it's working properly they often are asking about the next one and it is really cool to see that shift in in both the relationship and the mindset like oh it doesn't have to be this adversarial you know quote-unquote, environmental group versus rancher. We can work together to find solutions as long as we're willing to talk to each other and and kind of see each other's different perspectives and where we can find common ground.
1: You manage the Henry's Fork watershed, which is the headwaters of the Green River, which is a tributary of the Colorado, yep. which <laughs> is a huge waterway and huge responsibility. So again, just the value of water in the West and how important it is, what, it, what sort of What's your mission in in that department and managing this this waterway
0: the mission really is to find the best solutions and uses for the water we have to make the most with what we have and with increasing populations and you know all of these exacerbations on the resource we're just going to have to get smarter with how we use it and when we use it and so one project that we've worked with landowners on is trying to see if there's a a market to leave water in stream and pay the landowners to not irrigate for half the season which leaves water in stream for the fish late season when temperatures are usually pretty warm so it's benefiting them it's providing flexibility for the landowner they're getting a funding source they never typically have especially that time of year but it's different in the way they operate so there is a little give there And then it's also keeping water in streams so that it can benefit downstream users where the water is currently needed with the increasing population demands. And getting to show my kids this work that we're doing and how it's benefiting places that they love. That is, there's no words to describe how rewarding that is.
1: Right. Because you're a mom, you have two daughters. And so how has that come full circle for you where you grew up thanks to your mom and your parents just being on the water. And how do you implement that in your family?
0: Yeah, it's definitely different. And I struggle with it sometimes in that I can't raise them exactly how I was in a remote ranger station. My husband and I try our best to just get them outside as much as possible and, and drag them along with us fishing early in the mornings. They sometimes grumble, but usually once we're out in the water, they're just so happy and it's pretty amazing that I was blessed with two little girls. Growing up, I was surrounded by boys, so I just always figured I'd probably end up with boys. <laughs> but they're just the most amazing little people, and and just seeing their faces light up when they when we catch fish and and just all of, and being excited about doing things outside and how that grows. The more and more we take them outside, that is is awesome.
1: Well, and just going back to what you were saying earlier too about women having this power to be influential. Do you think about that when you're raising your daughters and that example that you're setting all for them the, too?
0: Yeah, all the time. I teaching them to not be afraid to try new things and that there's really nothing they can't do if they just put their mind to it, but they have to be willing to work at it and work hard and and to value these these special places. I that's just my my biggest goal is to try to make them appreciate all these, the rivers and the mountains and so that they have that to go home to always. So yeah, that's very important to instill those values in them.
1: You seem like you're in your dream job right now Mm -hmm. doing exactly the work you want to do. But when you think ahead 5, 10, 20 years from now, what do you see for yourself?
0: It's hard to say. I just try to take things day by day. I hope that I'm fortunate enough to still be in a job that I love as much as this one and really i just i would love to just spread my impact on the resource and and protecting our amazing public lands and wild places and trying to get more people involved and excited about it i think that is just so important so that it can keep on for future generations for my daughters and my future grandkids and and really yeah just something that is impactful in that way
1: I'm curious because from a little girl you started off with just this just pure love for the water and being outside and now you're in this as a career and following your passion what have been some of the biggest surprises that you've discovered actually you know going one step deeper from just being on the water from a recreational standpoint to really working with the water looking at the river and the the wildlife in it as this job that it's your position to make sure that survives and thrives.
0: I guess one thing that was very surprising if if you would have asked me 10 years ago when I was starting off my wildlife career that I would be organizing a women's event I probably would have laughed at you and said that that's not what I want to do I want to be outside and sampling for fish in the river I don't want to be organizing women's events (laughs) and so that's one thing that has come has evolved throughout my years just realizing that I can't be the only one caring about this or it's gonna go away
1: What is your advice for young kids or really anyone who, you know, I think it's so lucky to recognize your passion at such an early age and just know that this is what I want to cultivate and develop, but not everybody has that sense. You know, what would your advice be to someone who is still searching for that or wants to find that in their lives?
0: Yeah, so if they're, I would just say, try to think about what it is you want to do in your free time. What... Can you find peace in and, and joy in and focus on that? And if it's, if it's at all being outside, I strongly encourage you to take up a, a summer technician job in any sort of wildlife related job. Usually you're going to work in a really beautiful place and you're going to be doing awesome things and it's just a great foot in the door. But yeah, just try to see what brings you happiness and focus on that. And if you love your job, you're never really going to work a day in your life
1: your life has been pretty full circle starting from when you were four playing, you know, on that river in your backyard to now getting to be on the river every day. What does that mean to you to really be living your passion?
0: It's just a blessing, really, that I get to do this every day and and fulfill that little four-year-old girl's dream. It's just really awesome and I'm very grateful for all the amazing opportunities that led me to this point and to be able to spread that happiness to others. It's just the most rewarding thing and I'm just so very grateful. And it's just home for me. You know, that's, that's where I grew up and whenever I'm on a body of water, it just feels like home and that's my happy place and something I always need to go back to from time to time.
1: Was there ever a moment of doubt When you thought, this is not, I'm not on the right path.
0: Not necessarily that I wasn't on the right path. It was just probably going to take a lot longer than I thought to get there. (laughs) Yeah, the summers after I graduated, you know, I, I took a year off before going into grad school and i just not quite sure if I would be able to find my dream job or if I was going to be doing seasonal technician work my whole life. Or Yeah, there's definitely doubts all along the way, and grad school in and of itself is really difficult <laughs> and lots of doubts during that. But yeah, just pushing through, and eventually I made it.
1: <laughs> yeah. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned so far to get you where you are today?
0: I think the biggest lesson is just to always go back to the why you're doing something. You know, it's really easy to get lost in the details and the minutia of what you have to do to get there. And so sometimes you just got to write it down on a post-it note on your desk or wherever. And just like, this is why I'm doing this. Is what I'm doing working to get that? If so, then you're doing a good job. If not, then reevaluate and just, yeah, just keep in mind the big picture. And try to focus on that as much as possible so that you don't get bogged down by all the busy work that you have to do.
1: What is your why?
0: Is what I'm doing going to positively benefit the places that we hold dear and the people we hold dear? Is it going to be around for for future generations to enjoy it? And, and if the answer is yes, then yeah, keep working at it.
1: And if it's no, then... Then
0: you probably need to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> or adjust it somehow so that it is. <laughs>
1: if you could wave your magic wand, this is the last question, but if you could wave your magic wand and just have that one wish for what you would want for either this landscape or people or the water, what would it be?
0: Working together with people and with the landscape to find our common goals that will benefit the landscape and make it sustainable for future
1: generations. That was wildlife biologist Hillary Walrath. To see Hillary's full profile and portraits, visit womeninwyoming.com. That's womeninwyoming.com. You can also follow my journey on Instagram at womeninyo. That's womeninwyo. Or on Facebook at womeninwyoming. Chapter 4 is supported in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council and the Equipoise Fund, while Mentum is our nonprofit fiscal partner. Additional funding for the Women in Wyoming exhibit comes from Nest Jackson Hole. The Women in Wyoming Multimedia Exhibit is on view from October 25, 2019 to August 2, 2020 at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West in Cody, Wyoming. The exhibit features large-scale portraits and audio soundscape and interactive components celebrating the achievements, power, and learned wisdom of Wyoming women today. I'm Lindsay Linton Buck, and you've been listening to Women in Wyoming.